Hello friends and welcome to our brand new series, Anchors for the Soul. And today we're going to be talking about hope. Uh, the series Anchors for the Soul is a series designed to help us remember where we are anchored and to practice the security of this beautiful place in unsettled times. As believers, we have our souls anchored in what we believe. And when we're anchored, we experience a massive difference. We're not going to be blown back and forth by every wave and wind of doctrine uh, we're not going to back down for waves of complaint or scary doctrines of fear-mongering. We're not going to be blown off course by suggestions that God is angry with us or whispers of our estrangement from God or accusations about our shortfalls. And uh, We're going to have anchors that are designed to hold us. And anchors, that's what they're designed to do. They hold us steady. They mitigate against the jerking of the wind-whipped waves. They hold us against the drift that would otherwise be caused by the wind or the currents of our day. So this series is a reminder of the anchors of what we believe. Those things that secure our place in peace and rest when all else are losing their peace and increasingly erratically displaying that they are sheep without a shepherd. James 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God to give generously to all without finding fault. But, uh, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must not believe. You must not doubt. Sorry, you must believe. Because anyone who doubts is like a wave of the sea that's tossed back and forth by the wind. And this idea of being tossed back and forth by the wind comes from this moment where we don't believe. So in these interesting times that we're living in, uh, I don't think that we've ever faced this media and social media onslaught. Uh, the fomenting of a peaceless and contentious waves relentless barrage of point and counterpoint, all designed to steal our peace and focus. Now, if you don't believe me, let me just suggest a challenge to you. Why don't you stop all news and social media contact for one week? I promise you, at the end of the week, they'll all still be waiting right there for you to supply you with the latest drama when you return. But in the place of listening to the news and the social media connections, why don't you take some time to steep yourself in God's Word? Soak yourself in it. Meditate on it. Speak it out loud from your lips. I promise you it'll make a profound difference. Recently, while I was spending some time with the Lord in my journal, uh, I, I believe the Lord spoke to me, and this is what He said, Come running to me to find your peace. It will not be found in your circumstances for a little while. But you cannot let your heart be disturbed by your circumstances. Let it be set on my word to you. Now, that was very helpful information for me, because while I may not be able to mine peace from my circumstances, certainly for a little while, when I look for peace, I understand where I can go to get it. I go to mine for peace in the presence of Jesus Christ, certainly not in my circumstances. And if I set my efforts on mining peace from my circumstances, I'm going to be frustrated and end up tired and empty-handed. So we have magnificent anchors for our soul. They're designed to keep us in perfect peace because the anchor for our souls are not attached to worldly seating. They're anchored in heavenly places and are thus eternal and supernatural in their effect. Now, when we forget these anchors, we lose some of our saltiness and we look just like the world. We bounce around by this wave and that wave, by this scary thing and by that scary thing. 
We ought to be a source of help to people in the world, not bouncing around like them. And it's one of our primary roles as Ascension Gift Ministers to equip people so that they won't be blown back and forth by every wind of doctrine. Ephesians 4, uh, until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then he says, as a result, if we're doing our job, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the craftiness in deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in, in love, we are to grow into all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ. This idea of being tossed here and there by waves in the agitation of the waves, literally, to be carried about by every wind. This is an old verb to be carried up by the wind, almost like a hurricane picks up things. In the trickery of men, this is a, a concept of, of men throwing dice, and oftentimes men would cheat with that dice. They'd have a, a dice that would cheat. And by the craftiness of the deceitful schemings, this is uh, an idea of any tricky deed or, or method to deceive. Pretty much uh, in what's going on around us, all of these aspects are part of our world. Now, it's not the storms that are outside that cause us concerns. It's the storms within that cause us the most damage. And I'm hoping in this series that we can help you find rest while the storms rage on the outside. There are multiple anchors that hold us as believers, which means that every week as you engage in the series, you're going to find more strength and more stability from Jesus Christ. And today, I'm just wanting to focus on this anchor of hope. Hope is both an anchor and a great motivator towards godly things. If we cultivate a hope-filled life, that hope manifests in all sorts of good fruit. Hope is an anchor and a beautiful motivator. In Colossians 1.1, Paul says, Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love you have for all of God's people, the faith and the love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven, and about which you've already heard in this true message of the gospel. See, faith and love spring up out of hope that we have. In fact, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is just being sure of what we hope for. See, Paul, um, speaking about the fact that New Testament believers have been promised greater glory than the glory that Moses experienced under the Old Covenant, in 2 Corinthians 3.12 says, Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. See, hope creates a boldness in us. And in my experience, it's the people who are full of hope that are braver than the people who don't have any. Hope inspires, it motivates, it allows freedom to try, it provokes and calls for bravery. Hope helps us to endure when others have given up. When the soldiers aboard the boat, when Paul was being taken uh, on, the, on the sea and the storm rose up and for days, weeks on end, they were just battered and they lost all hope. And they, they were all just throwing up their hands and saying, we're going to die. And Paul suggests that they share a meal and they go, are you crazy, Paul? What's going on? And he goes, an angel of the Lord showed up and told me we, we make it. So why don't you just sit down, have something to eat? We're going to be fine. It's that hope that brings a clarity in the middle of the storm. It's that hope that causes us to endure. And that's exactly what 1 Thessalonians 1.3 says. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope. 
if you're ready to find a great source of endurance, then I want to suggest to you that you let the Holy Spirit stir your hope. Many of us started the season where we, we can outlast this and it's been going on longer than people wanted it to. It's hope that will provoke endurance and inspires endurance for us to move downfield. Hope changes the way we grieve. This is what Paul said in Thessalonians 4.13. He, he said, brothers, I don't want you to be uninformed uh, like those who, who, uh, who don't know, but they sleep in death. And he said, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Hopelessness is a great enemy of the church. And it's the source of many evils. What we believe about our future gives us purpose in the present. But if I've allowed the enemy to steal my hope, then I'm seldom making good choices or wise steps. Hope, although it is anchored in eternity, changes everything about our current lives today. It is our anchor against the currents and the winds of this day because it keeps an eternal reference point. So despite the weather outside, our, our anchor holds and steers and guides and settles us in the storm. It doesn't have to be visible in the storm. It's not anchored in the storm. It's anchored beyond the storm in eternal places. So we can't see it now, but that's the beauty of hope. It goes far further than my experiences or my feelings at the moment. And that's what Romans 8 teaches. Paul says, We ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we eagerly await for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. For who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Remember, Peace is not going to be found for a while in our circumstances. So stop trying to tie your hopes to that shifting and tumultuous sea. We have a hope that is an anchor for our souls. Let me talk a little bit from Hebrews. As the, the writer to the Hebrews talks about this beautiful scripture as the hope and the anchor of our souls. Hebrews 6 says, People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all the argument. And because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of His purpose very clear to the heirs of what He promised, He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of this hope that is set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Our hope won't slip. It won't lose its grip. It is firm and secure because God wanted you to be absolutely certain. He wanted your hope to be anchored, rock steady, tied up, locked into the person of Jesus Christ and in His finished worth. And, and so what God said is, I'm going to swear an oath and I'm going to cut a covenant. By these two things in which God has irrevocably bound Himself over to those who believe, which the Bible says, in which it is impossible for God to lie. 
God did these two because He wanted you to be greatly encouraged. God wanted you to have an anchor for your soul. He wanted there to be nothing the enemy could say, nothing that this world could throw at you, nothing that your emotions could feel that would be greater than the anchor for your soul that is anchored in the person of Jesus and in His finished work. He wanted you to have a sure hope anchored in eternal victory of Jesus. He made it so that the only appointed high priest who ever lives as your intercessor, whose blood cries out for your mercy, whose scars prove your redemption, whose seats seated on His throne proves the completion of your salvation. God swore an oath and cut a covenant on your behalf so that all judgment, of you has been entrusted to the one who loved you and whose death and whose dreams for you cannot be cut off. The hope the apostle is talking about here is the large picture of who Jesus is. And you, because you believed, have that hope as an anchor for your soul. It doesn't matter what goes up and down. It doesn't matter what currents are pushing at your life now. You have an hope as an anchor for your soul. And if you remind yourself of that, you'll find a great peace will settle on you despite the storm outside. Jesus is living in us right now. The Bible calls that the hope of glory. Jesus promised to return. The Bible talks about the hope of His return. Uh, that you have a hope of an eternal relationship with Him. You have the hope of a resurrected body. You have the hope of a perfected life. You have the hope of a fullness of knowledge of Jesus. These are the many gifts of hope, and they will anchor your soul, and they will motivate you to do good things. When John says, if you, if you know that Jesus is coming back and you know that He's pure, everybody who has this hope purifies himself. Hope is a marvelous motivator and a grand anchor for our souls. Now, you may be sitting there saying, Greg, I'm sold. I'm in. I want to grow my hope. How can I do this? What is it that I can do? Can you teach me? How can I overflow with hope? Glad you asked that question. As Steve Backlund says, there are no hopeless situations. There are only hopeless people. And so the question is, are there some wisdom points that I can follow that will help me be full of hope? And, and the answer is, yes, there are. Let me take you to them. Number one, you and I have to banish the thieves of hope. See, if the enemy can steal our hope, then we are going to be adrift tossed back and forth by various winds of doctrines, seeking desperately to just try and survive on our own. Now, the enemy seeks to steal and to kill and to destroy God's people. And to do this, he will often try a sneak attack on your hope. That general feeling that you've done something wrong, that God's anger is against you, that God is rejecting you. So thieves are sent to steal hope, to accuse, to, uh, to belittle, to malign, to mock. Understand. That the Holy Spirit is always the same, and being God, He is immutable. So He never uses accusation. He doesn't malign. He doesn't belittle or mock. He never views you without hope. See, our hope is anchored behind the veil in the finished work of Jesus Christ, beyond our new creation status. We're anchored in Christ, who is both our sacrifice of atonement and our high priest, whose sacrifice and offering were completely, wholly 
acceptable to God. And when Jesus said, it is finished, it is absolutely completed, that's exactly what it was. So let your hope go beyond people's accusations, against their threats, beyond their doctrines and their anger, and find your peace in the person of Jesus and in His perfectly completed salvation which was offered to you. You and I have to take responsibility to banish the thieves that would try and steal hope from us because the Holy Spirit never will. So if something, a word, a doctrine, a, a, a message that comes to you and it starts to steal your hope, you have to deal with that. Do not let it take your hope. In fact, how much hope a message or a doctrine or a rebuke has is one of the primary mechanisms of recognition for us, whether it came from the Holy Spirit. Be ruthless if it tries to steal hope from you. Watch for accusations. Watch out for people who threaten you with God's judgment. Watch out for people who belittle you. These are the hallmarks of the evil one, and they're designed to steal your hope. To make you want to throw up your hands and say, there's nothing that I can do. We're all going to die. That feeling, that's a thief. And you should destroy it every time you come close to it. Now, you and I both know what creates that impression in you. You know what steals your hope. And you and I have to be ruthless with it. Cut it off. Don't listen to it. Refuse to lend it your ear. Do not give it your time or your mind space. It is a pernicious thief and it's your job to cut it off. See, David said, Psalm 73, verse 21, he said, When my heart was grieved and my spirit was bitter, I was sent senseless and ignorant. I was like a brute beast before you. See, if you lose hope, you just, you just go stupid. You just go stupid. And, and that's what David said. He said, I acted like a fool, but God was just so kind and He's always with me and He's going to take me into glory. But I just lost my head for a minute there because hopeless people lose their heads and they lose their sanity and they lose their wisdom and they end up doing foolish, foolish things. So friends, this is not a small thing. You and I have to fight those little foxes that want to ruin the vineyard. You have to chase them out. You and I have to be vicious with those who want to steal our hope. Do not let another ounce of your hope be siphoned off by anyone or anything. The scarlet O'Hara said in Gone with the Wind, I'll not think on that today. And so we just have to call the lie a lie. We have to say, you're lying thief, get away from me. You will not take my hope because there is surely a future hope for me and my hope cannot be cut off. We have to learn to banish hope thieves. I hope, friends, that you're listening to me. Because there are so many winds of doctrine right now. So many things, so many accusations being thrown. And if you, don't, if you don't agree with exactly what I say, then that makes you foolish and stupid and young. And I just want to say, friends, that is not the Spirit of Jesus. The Holy Spirit does not function like that. The Holy Spirit never speaks a hopeless word. The Holy Spirit never speaks that word of judgment to those who are in Christ. If you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit speaks to you about your salvation, about the beauty of the finished work. The Holy Spirit testifies with your spirit that you are saved. He testifies about the love of Father for you. He testifies and shows you and guides you into the magnificent inheritance that is yours in Christ. Holy Spirit is always speaking hope that devil is always speaking hopelessness. He's always, the enemy is always trying to steal hope from you. Do not take another ounce. Do not let another ounce of discouragement into your heart. Do not let the enemy steal your hope. That's on you and it's on me.
Greg, I want to be full of hope. I'll tell you what, stop allowing anybody to siphon your hope out. Now, there are going to be words that come from profound Christians. Just because they've heard from God before doesn't make everything they say right. Beware of people that steal your hope right now. This is the mark in this season. This is the anchor for our souls. If there is hope in what people are saying, you need to grab hold of that. Because hope is the final litmus test right now. We have this hope as an anchor for our souls. Hopelessness will cut you adrift. You and I need to take responsibility right in this place. Don't let somebody steal your hope from you. And if there is somebody, and when you listen, and their words go in and they take root and they start to steal hope, you need to cut them off. You need to say, I'm not going to listen to that anymore. I'm not going to have that in my heart and mind. And you have to cut them off. You have to take jurisdiction over your own life, over your own mind, over your own thoughts. You and I must step up and say, no, I'm not doing that. No, you may not take this. And there may be people out there who have great authority, but they don't have authority over your heart and they don't have authority over your mind. The Lord Jesus Christ alone has that lordship. And so surrender it to Him because He is the point of the hope of your soul. Let hope be the anchor that holds you fast. The second thing we're called on to do is to pay attention to the Holy Spirit who will be a source of hope for us. Holy Spirit is never hopeless, but He's always faithful. So when he speaks, he always has hope injected into his words. That's why the reading of the word of God, meditating on the word, listening for the voice of God in the sword of the spirit will always be of massive value to you. Hope is so suffused into the word of God that anywhere you begin to chew on it, hope will surface as a nutrient. You will be filled with hope as you spend time in the word of God. And the Holy Spirit is full of hope. He always views you in hope. He always sees you in victory and in hope, in circumstances. There is nothing impossible for the Holy Spirit and nothing impossible for those who believe Him. So you have this anchor for your soul and the Holy Spirit never speaks hopelessly. He never views you without hope. In fact, He's overflowing with hope. And so if you come into this place where you start to pay attention to what He's saying, He ignites hope. You will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what Romans 15, 13 says. Now may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit will cause you to abound, to overflow, to have a surplus of hope. Now, we've spoke about this before. Hope that is seen is usually no hope at all. Nobody hopes for what they already have. Hope that you can see is not hoped for anymore. This means that many times we're going to find ourselves in the space between the promise and the party. We're going to be stuck in the process. We're in the process land. And in this place of process, hope is indispensable. We've heard the promise. We haven't yet seen, we haven't yet walked into the party. We haven't seen the fulfillment of the promise. We're in the process. And in the process, hope is one of the most unbelievably important realities. 
This is what Romans 4 says about Abraham. This is what our forefather Abraham learned about this. It says, I have made you the father of many nations. Uh, he's, the f- he's our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, Paul says. The God who gives hope to the dead and calls into being the things that are not. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham considered the fact that he was too old, that Sarah was too old, and he against all hope. There was no hope in this situation. He allowed the Holy Spirit's promise to stir hope in him. And he believed the hope from the promise and not the hope from the circumstances. And against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and therefore became the father of many nations. A miracle happened in their lives, a supernatural explosion of the promises of God because he dared to hope when the circumstances said, there is no hope for you. And without weakening his faith, faith, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what He had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. See, friends, this idea about hope, it is a massively important issue against all hope in hope. Abraham found hope that didn't come from his circumstances. He found hope because he was anchored in the promises of God. And Hebrews 11 says, Even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered faithful him who had made the promise. Hebrews 10, 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. So friends, you say, Greg, I, I really want to I wanna grow. I just want to say, get into the Word of God. Spend time listening to the Holy Spirit and spend time meditating on the promises God has made you because the promises will speak an eternal word. Your circumstances will be screaming in his opposition to the promises of God. But if you'll anchor yourself, if you'll listen, if you'll give yourself to the promises of God, you'll find that the promises of God will speak a word of hope to you. And you start to live by that hope and not by the circumstantial realities that you are facing. Face the facts. Don't let the facts persuade you. Think about circumstances, but don't let them be your consideration. Facts and circumstances are lesser authorities than the Word of God. His promises will spur hope and persuade us because we consider the one who made the promises faithful. Hope is the anchor for our souls. The Bible says it enters the inner sanctuary, behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus entered on our behalf. He has become our high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. These are beautiful times. Because friends, if you can learn the lesson of today's message, it will have been a profound gift to you. To learn the lesson, to not seek hope in the circumstances, but to find your hope anchored in the Lord Jesus Christ and in His beautiful finished work. I am anchored with an anchor that holds beyond the veil. That anchor never slips. It never fades away. My life is anchored in a glorious eternal hope and that hope cannot be cut off. There is neither height nor depth nor angel or demon nor past or present or anything else in all of creation that can separate 
saved you and me from the love of God and this hope that is held out to us in the gospel. So do not give up. Do not allow the enemy to steal. So deal with the thieves and listen to the Holy Spirit. Just two simple things, two simple wisdom principles I'm asking you to do this week. I dare you. I dare you. If, if your social media and the news of the day, which are screaming at the moment, trying to foment division and harshness and strife, trying to stir up a lack of peace. Do you know what Jesus is praying for right now? Jesus is calling out and releasing peace out over this nation. Enjoy that peace. Join Jesus in that prayer. Re- receive His peace. Uh, uh, absorb it. Live in it. And for some of you, you need to get off social media and you need to stop listening to the news. I promise you, the world will keep going on. I promise you, you will not be ignorant. In one week's time, if you'll do what I'm saying and you'll spend time in the Word, you will be transformed. You'll find a massive peace and the hope that anchors your soul will keep you firm and steady. No longer bouncing up and down. No longer on an emotional roller coaster. You'll find great peace and delightful joy. Because Jesus Christ holds you. That's the gift of God for you this week. This is the anchor for your soul. I dare you to try it at home. I dare you to try it this week. And if you do, I promise you, God will transform your life. Let's pray together. Father, my prayer is that you would give us a ruthless ability to destroy the thieves of hope. Any voice, any word, any lie that wants to... siphon off the hope that is ours. I rebuke it, Father, and I break it off your people. But I thank you, Lord, by your spirit that you would would now begin to cause us to overflow with hope. I pray, Lord, that there'd be more than enough hope for our own lives. I pray that you'd give us 10 times more than we need so that we can just overflow with hope and keep giving it to people around us. I thank you, Lord, we're going to be the most hopeful people filled with the overflowing hope that comes from the Holy Spirit. That's your gift, Lord. That's who you are, always overflowing with hope. You never said, Lord, that you never commanded us to overflow with hope, but you're hopeless. You're the, you're the God, Lord. You're the Holy Spirit who overflows with hope. So we just invite you, Lord, to take full control. We, we receive your peace, and I release your peace to your people. In Jesus' name, amen.